1: Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Our telephone number, if you want to join us tonight, Tuesday night, 833-4825-337. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. And tonight I want to get into a bunch of things. We're going to talk about a student who failed a quiz uh, because he said that only women can get pregnant. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, we're also going to talk about the uh, infamous son of Sam Killer, David Berkowitz. And we're also going to get into a bunch of things that are going on on Capitol Hill uh, tonight as there are new um, pieces of legislation that are coming out to um, make things better. And we definitely need to make things better on Capitol Hill, that's for sure. But I want to start off before we go into that stuff uh, with just a a couple of headlines. Of course, Vladimir Zelensky has visited Washington, D.C. to ask for more money. Uh, Jack Smith, the prosecutor that's coming after Trump, he's been collecting images, uh, website visits and usage data from Trump's cell phone. Ooh la la. And the Oversight Committee is now posting the biggest revelations they've found from the Biden investigation. Plus, there's an unprecedented attack on Rumble's servers. That's been confirmed by the CEO of Rumble. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit as well, probably in hour number three. But right now, I want to uh, jump into this right here. And this right here is a, an interesting story that I saw <clears throat> that is um, quite remarkable. And it's the, um, the story that uh, Chris Pavlovsky, right? He's the uh, CEO of, of Rumble. And we'll talk about it more in, in open phones. But I just want to give you some of the headline here because this is an interesting story. Um, he says there's an unprecedented attack on their servers and it's politically motivated. That's the Rumble CEO, Chris Pavlovsky confirming uh, yesterday that the platform had suffered an unprecedented attack, which he suspects is politically motivated because it was uh, carried out. At least they suggested that the attack was carried out by those looking to censor, uh, censor Rumble's content creators adding that it could be related to the platform hosting uncensored videos such as the January 6th Capitol riot and others. So in a post on X on Monday, the uh, lawyer and commentator uh, Viva Frey said, I was planning to go live, but Rumble and locals are both down. Apparently it's a massive, unprecedented attack, one that is likely politically motivated. If I have any updates, I will let everybody know. Godspeed, Rumble. Pavlovsky confirmed Frey's suspicions, noting that the attack against the platform had been going on since the weekend. I also suspect it's political, he added. Pavlovsky said that the attack might be coming from activists and or organizations who want to censor uh, Rumble creators related to their January 6th videos being posted on Rumble. In response to the attacks, uh, Tim Pool, he said he's a, a host, a YouTuber, he um, wrote, war. Well put, Tim Poole. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Elijah Schaefer referred to the attack as absolutely unhinged behavior from enemies of free speech. And, uh, and these conversations went on. Uh, multiple conversations went on. Bottom line, <clears throat> it's interesting how they are, you know, yesterday we learned about how the State Department was working with outside agencies, but through them, really, to censor speech. Now we're learning that Rumble was attacked before. Back in November, the platform suffered a major uh, DDoS, I guess that's DDoS DDoS uh, attack, after uh, Pavlovsky vowed to join Elon Musk and go thermonuclear as well, following that Media Matters hit piece. The uh, DDoS attack is a cybercrime where the attackers flood a- any server with Internet traffic to prevent users from accessing connected uh, devices onto that server. And obviously this makes the website unusable. So that's where they are right now, and they say that's what's going on. And it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't shock me, but it, it is disappointing. Not surprising, but disappointing that this is what they're going to do. Right? When was the last time you heard conservative arrested for shutting down uh, leftist speech? It just doesn't happen, right? Uh, I always let people come on my show. They might accuse me of, of arguing with them, not agreeing with them, whatever you want me to say. Sure, that's true. I, I will argue with you, and I will uh, challenge you, and I will I will ask follow-up questions. But I'll let you talk, and I'll let you have your time, and I'll let you make your point. And if you're not available, I'll play the audio of you saying it. Right? I'll play the audio of, of a- anybody on the left saying any crazy thing we can, and we'll talk about it on this program. Because I don't believe in censoring the left. I want you to hear what they have to say. I want to talk about it. I want to rebut it, refute it, discuss it, and then move on. It's, it's an absolute shame that, that um, this whole thing is happening and that they're treating Rumble this way. And it, 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 it troubles me. <clears throat> Excuse me, I get tongue-tied. Because I think to myself, this is the free marketplace of ideas. And what are we doing... If not defending, advancing, and and um, and promoting our our ideas, right? In my opinion, may the best ideas win. This isn't about stifling one side versus the other. This is about getting to the bottom of it. Everybody does what they do. Somebody's got to be better than the the next person. Somebody's got to win. Whatever happened to that? Why do we have to now force people to be, you know, um, silent? I just don't think it's the right thing to do. Uh, Free speech should be free. Anyway, that's that story. Then there's an interesting piece in Time Magazine on something called Nudify apps. Yep, you heard that right. Nudify apps use AI to, quote-unquote, undress women in photos, and this, these nudify types of apps, they're soaring in popularity. <laughs> Get this. It's part of a of a trend that's worrying people. It's non-consensual deepfake uh, porn that's developed by an app. These apps and websites that use artificial intelligence to undress women in photos are becoming super popular. Back in September alone, 20, 24 million people visited undressing websites. The social network analysis company... Um, Graphica reported that number. Many of these are undressing or what they call nudify services. And uh, according to Graphica, for instance, the the site uh, just, they they provide links, they have advertising, and they have these undressing apps. And they're experiencing more than a 2,400% increase on social media, including on Twitter and Reddit. Researchers said that Services use AI to recreate an image so that the person is now nude. Many of the uh, services only work on women, by the way. Isn't that something? So we'll figure that out. We'll talk more about that later as well. I also want to jump into what's going on on Capitol Hill. So uh, keep um, keep yourself comfortable. Keep it locked right here. Uh, Kick up your feet a little bit. Get ready. Turn up the radio. We're about to have an amazing show tonight with lots of uh, interesting guests. Again, our phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
2: Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have—I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America
0: at Night with Rich Valdez.
3: My team is working with Senate Democrats and Republicans to try to find a bipartisan compromise, both in terms of changes in policy and provide the resources we need to secure the border. Compromise is how democracy works, and I'm ready and offered compromise already. Holding Ukraine funding hostage in the attempt to force through an extreme Republican partisan agenda on the border is not how it works.
1: Well, there we have it, folks. That's Joe El Baboso Biden, the president of the United States, uh, with uh, his remarks on funding for Ukraine and other things and the border and, uh, you know, all the different disasters he's allowed to to exacerbate uh, during his tenure. And we're going to get to that in a moment. I also want to talk about uh, some new legislation that's out there, and I want to do it with the uh, chairman-elect of the Freedom Caucus, Representative Bob Good from Virginia, uh, last night won the election as chair of the Freedom Caucus, and he joins us today to talk about This uh, new bill that he's got out. And we're going to talk about a little little bit of that on the uh, in the next segment. But right now, I want to get to the crux of this visit from Zelensky chairman. Good. Welcome, sir. Congratulations. Thank you,
2: Rich. Great to be with you. Appreciate you having me again.
1: You bet. You bet. So um, Biden's out there is making his rounds. He's saying everything that, you know, he's supposed to say. Um, what, What say you?
2: Well, with respect to ukraine specifically?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, sorry. I think right now the, the goal is uh, to attach uh, some funding for Ukraine to uh, improvements at the border. I know that there's been a lot of discussion. Mitch McConnell's been holding his breath. I don't know that anything's happening. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in that regard?
2: Well, the what the president and Chuck Schumer want to do on the Ukraine supplemental represents the worst of Washington. It's how we get to... $34 trillion in national debt and a $200 billion, with a B, monthly deficit. The country's bankrupt. We're fiscally, uh, you know, uh, 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 unsustainable fiscally where we are. And Speaker Johnson, one of the best things that he has done so far was to do the standalone Israel package, where we separated out the $14 billion for Israel. We said it must be paid for. Uh, Israel's not fiscally insolvent the way that we are. Again, they don't have $34 trillion national debt and $200 billion monthly deficit. So even something as what I would consider as virtuous or as noble to support one of our true few allies in the world uh, from this brutal Hamas attack, well, let's pay for it by reducing the $80 billion expansion of the IRS, Biden's pet project from a year ago with the Inflation Increase Act. And so it's a standalone pay for, which you never pay for supplementals. And we're separating it out. We're saying, hey, we're not going to be hijacked or held hostage for support for Israel in return for having ninety-two billion that has nothing to do with Israel. And so the Speaker and the House majority need to stand strong and say we passed Israel support. We had a bipartisan bill because 12 Democrats joined all but, I think, one Republican to pass it. But the Senate won't take it up because they don't care sufficiently about Israel to do it and have it paid for by reducing the funding for the IRS. And again, they want to say you can't help Israel unless you also provide, what, $61 billion for Ukraine. You know, billions more for Hamas humanitarian assistance, for uh, Taiwan assistance, for other disaster relief. Uh, and so that's what the White House and the Senate want to do, and that should be dead on arrival in the House. There's no reason for us to take it up because we have already passed the Israel supplemental. Now, that said, to more specific to your point, what are we prepared to do as a Republican majority? To secure the border, we have a president who's facilitated intentionally, purposefully, a border invasion that's done irreparable harm to the country. You might argue never before in the history of the country has our own president done more to intentionally harm the United States than what this president's done with the border. And we have fussed about it. We've, we've messaged about it. I've been to the border five times in my first three years in Congress because I do think it is the ultimate issue of the day, along with our spending – uh, but what are we prepared to do? We, you could argue we should not continue to fund this government that facilitates a border invasion. But at the very least, we ought to leverage that we're not going to do anything to secure Ukraine's border, or to even consider securing Ukraine's border unless this administration, with the Senate, passed the HR2 border security bill that came out of the House, a great border security bill that would codify into law the effect of Trump policies that were just presidential executive action or policies, they weren't laws in the sense of, of adding, you know, we're not, we're not following our current laws, but, but they added, you know, policies like remain in Mexico and uh, ending catch and release and, and those sorts of things. Uh, But we've got a good HR2 bill. We should settle for nothing less from the Senate except that HR2 and then not even consider Ukraine funding until there are measurable Metrics demonstrating we've reduced the border invasion down to the numbers that it was before this president got in office. Remember, it was Obama Biden's Department of Homeland Security Director Jay Johnson who said if you ever got to a thousand a month, or excuse me, a thousand a day, that would be an unsustainable, unmanageable crisis, and we've got ten to twelve thousand a day of the ones who surrender. That doesn't even count the gotaways, uh, the ones who don't want all the free stuff because they are trafficking drugs and children and sex trafficking and uh, the criminal backgrounds, the terrorist ties. Uh, And even with that, even with the border secure, then Ukraine should be a standalone bill that rises or falls on its own merits and should only be considered uh, with a strategic plan, a definition of what success is, what's the limit of U.S. involvement, accountability, transparency. I'm still not going to vote for it, but that's the only circumstances under which this president, or excuse me, this speaker should bring that bill to the floor with a secure border, uh, a standalone bill uh, that uh, accomplishes uh, or has those uh, provisions in it and is paid for, that we're not going to borrow from our kids and our grandkids to do it. All that's fantasy land. That's not going to happen. This president, this White House, this Senate are not going to secure the border, Uh, But at least we can stand up and keep the Israel bill as a standalone and refuse to take up Ukraine. We shouldn't even bring it to the floor for a vote. Uh,
1: Excellent stuff. As I'm listening to this, I'm hearing, you know, this isn't going to happen. That's not going to happen. And I appreciate you being a straight shooter. So I'm thinking, um, do we actually impeach Mayorkas? Do we actually impeach Biden? Uh, Is that going to be a fight that we take on? Uh, It seems like the writing on the wall says yes, maybe. But there's a lot of people that seem to have cold feet.
2: Well, we sure were quick to get rid of one of our own to kick out George Santos to set a dangerous precedent for someone who'd never mm-hmm. been convicted of a crime and who'll not allow due process to take place. But we don't want to hold anybody accountable in the Biden administration. Let's not hold Merrick Garland or Chris Ray or Secretary Mayorkas or Joe Biden accountable, uh, it seems to me. I've signed on impeachment articles last Congress and, you know, for Mayorkas and for Biden, uh, I think. Biden should be impeached because of the Biden crime family activities. That's another subject if we want to get into. It, But he certainly should be impeached because of the border invasion. Uh, and certainly Mayorkas should be impeached because of the border invasion. Again, what are we prepared to do? How do we allow this to happen on our watch? Gosh, we probably should talk about spending. We've touched on it. But right now, the Republican majority is running on $36, $37 trillion in debt next year and an unsecure border on our watch.
1: Not good. Not good, Chairman. I want you to stick with us. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about spending and, of course, your, the um, the proposal that you've put out there, uh, which I think everybody needs to, to learn about, which is, let me just make sure a, I don't mess it up, the No Regulation Through Litigation Act. I want to make sure that uh, everybody understands how that works. So we're going to discuss that straight ahead. If you have a question for the Congressman, feel free, 833-482-5337. 833-482-5337 or just call 833-4VALDEZ. We're on with uh, Chairman Elect of the Freedom Caucus uh, Congressman Bob Good from Virginia's 5th District. You can get him at good.house.gov. He's coming right back for another segment. We're going to continue our discussion with him straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
2: Mr. Call Screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way, Richie Valdez is terrific.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
3: The host of a Kremlin-run show literally said, and I quote, Well done, Republicans. That's good for us. End of quote. Let me say that again. This host of a Kremlin run show said, well done, Republicans. That's good for us. That's a Russian speaking. If you're being celebrated by Russian propagandists, it might be time to rethink what you're doing. History, history will judge harshly those who turn their back on freedom's cause.
1: So President Biden's there um, in a joint news conference with uh, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky saying that uh, the, uh, the, the Russians were praising uh, congressional Republicans who are, you know, not um, funding uh, Ukraine and additional funding. And, of course, this is Biden and his spin. Um, it's always interesting. And they've never met a dollar they didn't want to spend Our guest is the chairman-elect of the Freedom Caucus, Congressman Bob Good. Welcome back, sir.
2: Great great to be. Stay with you here, Rich. Thank you.
1: You bet. Thank you. And um, as I mentioned before the break, uh, I want to, um, A, just get some of your comments on spending here and your reaction to what you just heard President Biden say. And, of course, I want to learn more about the No Regulation Through Litigation Act. Go right ahead.
2: Well, spending is one of the greatest existential threats to our country. This president has created so many crises that in and of themselves, in normal times, you would say that might be the greatest threat, you know, the weakening of the military, the war on American energy and the climate extremism, the redefinition of sex and gender and, and uh, you know, the, the education system the, uh, or the wokeness in our education system, what's going on our college campuses, uh, so many things, uh, you know, the putting criminals ahead of law enforcement, undermining our police. But I think the border invasion... And I think uh, the crushing national debt and the reckless, unprecedented level of spending may be the two greatest existential threats. And this, the days of spending without consequence are over. As you know, we've got record some 40-year high inflation, which was nonexistent when this president took office. We've got 20-year high interest rates, which, again, were extremely low, uh, which great for the economy, great for growth and development and just the American people when this president took office. And, And yet, what do we have now? We've got record inflation. We've got grocery prices. That, you know, the, uh, they, the average turkey dinner was you know 40% higher than it was for Thanksgiving uh, when this president took office. You've got gas and utility prices through the roof because of the, the president's war on a, a reliable, affordable energy. Uh, interest rates where people can't afford houses now. The average rent payment is over $2,000. Home prices have soared uh, almost double what they were when this president, uh, in terms of the monthly payment, with the interest and in the, in the increase in home prices since this president took office. Meanwhile, our credit's been downgraded twice now by two right. credit rating agencies. And there's a snowball effect now with a with an unprecedented $200 billion monthly deficit. So do the math. Every five months or so, another trillion dollars out of the national debt with no end in sight to the spending. At least we Republicans— are struggling and fighting and battling on how to cut spending, how much to cut spending, if and when and whatever to cut spending. At least we're battling it. The Democrat Party has no interest. And what do you have? Again, the the White House and the Senate trying to send us $106 billion. Supplemental means not paid for, which means added to the budget, uh, trying to get us to take it up. Speaker Johnson needs to hold his ground. Uh, we talked about the Israel supplement on the previous uh, the previous segment, but mm-hmm. and not bring to the floor, not bring to the floor. Tell him it's dead on, he's saying the right things right now because we separated out Israel, so we could, and paid for it. And he said, "Hey, we're not going to deal with Ukraine's border until uh, we at least secure our border and demonstrate it. That's the right thing to do. Uh, we are fiscally facing the greatest crisis we've had in our country. The only time we've had this level of debt to GDP was World War II, and we were trying to defeat." thankfully successfully by god's grace nazi germany germany and imperialist japan what do we have to show for this record level of debt and for that matter if we were to face a true existential threat from a military standpoint say a war with china how would we fund such a war with the level of debt that we have going into the crisis
1: right exactly and this is what i'm thinking Uh, between spending and spreading ourselves a little bit too thin we're screwed um good good um good insight there, Congressman. And I really want to get to this, um, this bill you've got because rarely do we see people putting stuff like that out there. And I'm, I'm hopeful that you'll be able to to move this forward. But tell us a little bit about the No Regulation Through Litigation Act.
2: Yeah, I'm on the House Budget Committee, and I hope to make this part of our budget plan for next year. So it's doing two things. It's on the one hand is trying to address spending and try to bring spending down, uh, but also it is trying to uh, just rein in a woke uh, – excuse me, a, a, run, a, a rogue – uh, abusive regulatory agency, the bureaucratic uh, departments and agencies that are not accountable to the voters. And what has happened, this started, really took off during the Obama-Biden administration, and now it's went to a new level under the newer Biden administration, where the agencies, departments of the federal government, when they want to enact new policy, they will coordinate with these outside NGOs, non-government organizations, these, these left-wing interest groups, to sue them to sue the administration, and then the administration will settle with the agent organization that has sued and create a new policy, a new, a new regulation, a new mandate that burdens the American people. So I'll give you just a silly example. Uh, let's say the, 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 the uh, federal government says, the agency says, you know what, we want to we you know, force all Americans to, to drive cars that won't go over you know 50 miles an hour, so let's have one of our friendly agencies sue – uh, because there was an accident where there was harm done with the car that went over fifty miles an hour, and then we 'll just settle and the the lawsuit by putting out a new mandate a new regulation that you can 't have cars that go over fifty miles an hour that's what that that, that, that 's an extreme example but there's this previous right. president, President Trump, cut seven to eight regulations for every new one regulation that saved the average family some ten thousand dollars a year in hidden taxes and costs that you didn't see at the cash register, but they caused prices to go up. And there's a, there's that hidden costs that are passed through from the businesses onto the consumers. Uh, and this president has done just the opposite. And so what this would say is it would make it illegal, and that the federal government could not settle with an outside organization and create policy through that mechanism.
1: Unbelievable. Uh, well, I'm glad that you're fighting the good fight on this one. And it's important because, again, they, whether it's um, litigation um, or these, these other types of hidden taxes that end up costing us money, I think we have to get to the bottom of it no matter what. Uh, Congressman, let everybody know how they could find out more about the work that you're doing Uh, in particular as as chair of the Freedom Caucus, uh, chair-elect, and uh, anything else that you've been uh, promoting this evening?
2: Well, thanks for having me again. It's great to be with you, but they can follow me on social media at at repbobgood, follow me Mm -hmm. at good.house.gov, and support me at bobgoodforcongress.com.
1: Outstanding. Well, sir, you are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Again, congratulations on winning the election as chairman-elect of the Freedom Caucus, and Godspeed with everything you're doing, sir. Merry Christmas. Thank
2: you for being in the fight. Merry Christmas to you, too. God bless.
1: Yes, sir. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. We'll continue our conversations with you all and uh, other topics that we've got to nail down tonight. So don't go anywhere. We're coming right back.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America this is night. this is rich Valdez
3: We must we must we must prove him wrong. The United States and Congress must, as I asked last week and this it's stunning that we've gotten to this point you know we need to fully appreciate, fully appreciate how it's wrong, how this is being viewed around the world and being used by Russia.
1: And that's President Joe Biden with uh, his best friend in the whole wide world, Volodymyr Zelensky. Uh, You know, it's funny, I understand that they're at war, but how is it that this man has been to the White House several times already? I think he addressed a joint session of Congress and he's never worn a tie. He's always wearing a sweatshirt and he's not at war in the White House. I mean, even generals in the army, they um, they they put on their their class A uniforms. Right. I I just don't understand Uh, other than, you know, he's trying to build a brand for himself like Governor Chris Christie did during Hurricane Sandy with that blue fleece. That's a Governor Christie on it. But uh, to the governor's credit, the governor was going on, you know, 20 hour days, breaking night. He was down at the shore, putting out one fire, putting out the next. And he was really doing that one day to the next. uh, Guaranteed when he went and gave Obama that big hug, he wasn't wearing that. (laughs) You dress for the occasion. And and that wasn't even in the White House. Here we have uh, Volodymyr Zelensky in the White House. This guy's just wearing green cargo pants and his little uh, black sweatshirt with the Ukrainian logo on it. Let me tell you anyway. Uh, so today, Biden announces this two hundred dollar, uh, two hundred million dollar military aid package for Ukraine to help the um, with the war against Russia. Two hundred million dollars—it's a fortune, a literal fortune. Now the announcement, and listen, I want to support Ukraine, but not in an unending way. Like right? there's got to be um, an off ramp here. There's got to be uh, a way to get this done where we're just not giving out money hand over fist. Anyway, uh, Zelensky visited uh, the White House today, and this is when they made their announcement, uh, with Biden saying, I just signed another $200 million drawdown for the Department of Defense for Ukraine, and that'll be coming, Biden said to the reporters, uh, from the Oval Office, with uh, Zelensky clad in green army pants and a black sweatshirt. Uh, The the roughly $200 million in weapons and equipment is going to be taken from Pentagon stockpiles that include uh, additional ammunition for high mobility and artillery rocket systems, what they call HIMARS, H-I-M-A-R-S, high speed anti-radiation, radiation radiation missiles, excuse me, anti-armor systems, artillery rounds, missiles, uh, demolition munitions, 4 million rounds of small arms ammunition, um, let's see, generators and other equipment, uh, as well as spare parts. That's what's in this package. Uh, the latest package, the U.S. now has about $4.4 billion remaining in weapons it can still provide uh, from uh, DOD stockpiles. So uh, Zelensky's w- visit he came with his hat in hand yet again and again. I'm not trying to beat him up because he's here asking for help. I don't think anybody would in his situation. I think um, the reason I beat him up is he's not wearing a tie in the White House. And he makes it seem as if, um, you know, he's, he's above that. I think if any one of us were going to the White House, whether we like Biden or not, we're not going in a sweatshirt. Right? I mean, come on. Let's be real. Anyway, I know that there's probably bigger fish to fry than what this guy's wearing, but I just think it's, it's uh, uncouth. Um, Zelensky and Speaker Johnson, as well as, um, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, and, um, other Republicans, uh, excuse me, other lawmakers all met, uh, with Zelensky. And there's a photo of him here speaking with Mike Johnson. They both look very, very happy. And of course he's still wearing his green pants and his his black sweatshirt. So the White House, um, is giving away your money. I don't know how you feel about that. I know it's not something that I enjoy. Um, I think we need to do better. And, and I don't know that we can. Right? At least right now, I don't think that we're going to. Not that we can. I just don't think we will. I think Biden's got um, this thing planned out a certain way. He wants to give away as much money as he can without uh, any any real impact. And that's just unsustainable. It really is. Anyway, uh, we continue with your calls and more straight ahead. Don't move a muscle.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
1: America welcome back and I'm looking at some of the social media comments here Uh, Martin Baumgarten he says love your show keep up the great work thank you Martin I appreciate you it's nice to hear that especially I was actually having my own critical moment and uh, 200 billion dollars well I was just reading from the Fox News report that is saying that the latest uh, installment is 200 million dollars uh, yeah, overall, we're pacing towards $200 billion in total aid packages that we've given to them. Uh, but, yeah, good catch. Uh, but I was specifically talking about what Biden approved today, which was another $200 million, if uh, if you could believe that. And I also want to get to your calls. Let's uh, go to the phones, 833-482-5337, 833-4-Valdez. Let's go to Paul. Boise, Idaho, KBOI. Paul, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez.
6: Thank you for taking my call, Rich. Yeah, we're yes, kind sir. of stuck between a rock and a hard place with this. You know, we, we had no alternative but to give give uh, some aid to the Israelis who are fighting three different countries, basically four countries all at once.
7: Mm.
6: And uh, they need the help right now. So I was I was happy to see that happen because they're, they got their backs against the wall. You know, the Ukrainians had some leftovers. We gave them the Abrams tanks. We haven't heard any positive remarks, or I haven't heard any positive remarks about the Abrams tanks and what they've done to help the cause over there for the Ukrainians. You know, we're, we're talking, what, $110 million apiece, and there was 12 of them or something that was sent. and. You know, what is what kind of accounting really have they done as far as the Ukraines and how much money in armament that we sent over there and what's happened to it? I mean, there's there's really, there's no telling where it's gone. It's supposed to make it to the battlefield, but has it really made it to the battlefield? And that, that concerns me because they keep coming back with their hand out. Now, you know, the last time, not the last time, but two times ago when it came time, for Obama to do something when the Ukrainian when the Ukrainians had their back against the wall, he was kind enough to send them some blankets instead of some armament and some right. way to fight the Russians. And so I'm wondering if we're waiting for Obama blanket number two point because it it seems to me that there's a lot of there's a lot of, of uh waste going on and, and something that's that's and it should have been taken care of, has not been taken care of. And and it's I think it's Seckless Joe's fault. The, the oh, I think you're right, Paul.
1: I think you're right, 100%. Uh, you know, years ago, somebody once told me, I said, you know, the reason our health care is so expensive is because other people pay for it. And I think that's the same thing we're seeing here. I think we would have, uh, you send in some of these folks that are, you know, serious and looking to do things and we can get a lot more done with a lot less money. And, and that would be a good thing for, for Ukraine, for the United States, for everybody. Uh, if you know, we were to take a page from the playbook of, of we just even see around us, you know, there's nothing wrong with any government saying, okay, look, we checked our bank accounts and, uh, can't really help you the way you'd like to be helped. We can do this, but we can't do that. We can go as far as this much but we're still going to need this and that, right? That That's that's real life negotiating. Nobody ever said that we should just hand over money um and uh, uh, um infinitum, as they would say, right? It's, it can be limited. It can be finite. We could say, look, we're going to help you for the next year. We're going to help you for the next year and a half. But, you know, if you're still at war a couple of years from now, we're going to work out a loan deal where we're lending you stuff, or we're giving you stuff that's no good anymore uh, for us that we're not going to use, but we can't just sit here and allow you to, you know, continually just come to us for help and with no expectation of anything in return. And it doesn't seem like advances are being made. It doesn't seem like anything is going on the way it's supposed to. So then what exactly are we paying for? That's my question. Paul in Boise, Idaho. Thank you so much for the call. KBOI and uh, good insight folks. We continue with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez.
0: This episode is brought to you by Seed. Probiotics are most effective when they make it to your colon alive. That's why C developed a patented two-in-one capsule that safeguards viability of its DSO1 daily symbiotic through digestion to deliver the maximum dose to your colon. No refrigeration necessary. Visit C.com/slash/Spotify and use code Spotify25 to get 25% off your first month.
1: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the hour number two of the Tuesday night edition of our program. The phone number is 833 482 if you want to join us, 833-4-VALDEZ. And again, uh, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, Volodymyr, excuse me, he visited uh, D.C. to ask for more money, and Biden said, you got it, dude. $200 million was pledged uh, to Zelensky just today. And um, Joe Biden's also running into a lot of trouble with his re-election campaign. Uh, there's a report out now that says he's looking to Hillary Clinton for support with his 2024 campaign. We'll get to that at the top of the next hour. Uh, you've also got the Oversight Committee saying that they've, um, they're have they going to be releasing their not their greatest, it's their biggest revelations from the investigation into the Biden crime family uh, so stay tuned for that and crime continues to um, wreak havoc across the country, right? I mean you got it all over there's, there's crime in Washington, there's crime in Virginia there's crime everywhere and it seems like there's rising rates of of crime, like a crime wave almost and uh, it's unfortunate and, uh, and murder is right there with it, you know there are certain cities where they're experiencing increases in their murder rate, which is, of course, very, very, very um, lamentable, very, very, very unfortunate, but it is what it is, and, and that's actually happening. And it brings me to um, this book. I saw this book the other day, and, you know, thinking about crime and murder. It's a book called Monster Mirror, and it's written by uh, Michael Caporelli. He's a Ph.D. And fascinating, fascinating uh, idea. Listen to this. 100 Hours with David Berkowitz, once known as Son of Sam, on mental health and evil phenomena. Now, here's a little bit of praise on this. Listen to this. It's easy to call bad people. It's, excuse me. It's easy to call people bad. It's not easy to ask why. I highly recommend this book. That's Dr. Dr. Daniel Amen, uh, one of my favorite psychiatrists. <clears throat> He's a brilliant guy. And uh, there's a forward on the book from a former uh, Colombo family mobster, Michael uh, Frances. And I just think it's, a, it's, it's very, you know, how often do you see a book where you've got Dr. Daniel Amon and somebody from the Colombo crime family, right? <laughs> all in one shot saying, let's talk about this serial killer who's sitting down with this um uh PhD, right? It's just the whole concept of it, I think it's very interesting. And um this is why I want to talk about it because we've all heard about the son of Sam in movies and documentaries, etc. Uh but he's going to introduce us to a new version of that, somebody that that he got to know through these 100 hours. So I want to bring in our guest, uh, Dr. Michael Caparelli, Sir, welcome.
5: Thank you for having me on. That's going to be the best opening to a show that I've ever done. <laughs> <So> <laughs> well, appreciate that. Go.
1: My pleasure. <laughs> well, I really did find it interesting. I, I, I said, man, that's a, quite a cross-section of people that you've got. You know, um, <laughs> and even the title, you know, Monster Mirror, and you, you're looking at them. And it's just uh, the, whole, the whole thing is a really uh, well done, uh, from my opinion. And I want you to take us through it. We've got some time, so I want you to kind of help us understand. Why did you decide to write a book on Son of Sam?
5: Well, let me begin by saying um, I was a pastor for 16 years in Providence, Rhode Island. Okay. I, I dealt mainly with people in recovery from addictions, mental health issues, and yes, releases from prison. Uh, In the process of being a pastor, I pursued higher education, Ph.D. in behavioral science. I eventually resigned from pastoring, but I had this proclivity towards inmates. Probably goes back to when I was a kid. My dad was in prison, visited him as a young boy. In Italian-American families, when your dad is in prison, the euphemism is school. My mother
1: used to tell me he was in law school. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I had a friend who told me that, too. My dad's away at school.
5: Yes. So, I, you know, I, I had this uh, compassion towards prisoners, this higher education and understanding human behavior, combined with being a clergyman. I mailed David Berkowitz in 2021 a copy of my prior book, a book about mental health from uh, a Christian perspective. And David read the book very short time later. He wrote me back saying, uh, I'd love to meet you if you're willing to visit. And I said, absolutely. I met him in early 2022, and we decided right there during that first session, which would be one of 34 sessions, that we would tell his story, and I would conduct what is known as a case study, and we we delved into the mental health factors behind the 13 shootings, behind the 1,400 fires that he lit all through the Bronx. And I, t- I believe I took what, what is more of a humane perspective of David. Rather than looking at the monster, um, I decided to look at the man. Because the facts are this. We're living in a day where there are 13 mass shootings a week in the United States of America. Those are alarming statistics. School shootings, mall shootings. And the family members are always saying things like, oh, we would have never thought it was him. He was the boy next door. So rather than taking the, you know, typical demonized perspective of David, uh, the mental health factors we discussed were pretty universal. I bracketed the DSMs. Uh, When I say the DSM, I'm talking about the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. I bracketed some of their descriptions of psychopaths, which is really known as antisocial personality disorder, Mm-hmm. And wanted to see David from a fresh lens. And we discussed things like isolation, shame, abandonment, uh, resentment. Things that I think the average reader is going to relate to. Because the facts are, uh, every day, you know, there are, are senseless violence in America. And it's often committed by the people we would least expect.
1: Folks, we are on with uh, Dr. Michael Caporelli who wrote the book Monster Mirror, 100 Hours with David Berkowitz, once known as uh, Son of Sam. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about your conversations uh, around the topic of isolation, shame, resentment, and abandonment, because I I I think you're right. There's a lot of people that are in therapy seeing a a shrink on, on figuring these things out for themselves. The big difference is he went and killed people and and mm. they didn't right so we're going to we're going to find out uh, how the uh, how that uh, dichotomy breaks out so stick with us uh, michael Caparelli. and folks if you want to join the conversation 833 4825 337 833-4
0: valdez this is america at night with rich Valdez. call now 833 833- for Valdez. That's 833 482 5337. 833 4 Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. America at
3: Night with Rich Valdez. I was locked into a certain way
2: of thinking. It's just impossible to explain and I really hesitate to talk about it because sometimes it's just so taken out of context and misunderstood. But I was just into a type of thinking which I believe that later on in life Christ had completely set me free from. And if it wasn't for Uh, my faith in Christ, if it wasn't for that other inmate reaching out to me one day and beginning to share his faith with me and bring me along that path, I probably would be just uh, a miserable, lonely individual now, just
8: caught up in my own world.
1: That is uh, the voice of the son of Sam killer, David Berkowitz, uh, giving a uh, testimony back in 1999 from prison uh, to uh, the network news. And, we're discussing this gentleman and, and his interactions with the the author of the book Monster Mirror, Dr. Michael Caporelli. And before the break, um, Doc you mentioned how you'd spoken with him and you talked about things about uh, that many people go through, uh, like isolation, shame, resentment, and abandonment. And these are things that can affect people in many different ways, right? Like a, uh, like an insecure attachment style which could affect people's relationships. Uh, but it could also disorder their, their personality, right? And they can have personality disorders like the one he had, the uh, antisocial uh, personality disorder, uh, and, and so on and so forth. Everything can come in varied um, degrees. But he says that he was healed um, by Christ and his conversion to, with his faith. And what was your experience in discussing these, um, these mental health issues with him?
5: I'm surprised at the level of candor and honesty uh, in the year and a half of meeting with David. Um, I think he's at a point in his life, he's 71 years old, he's had some major health scares, he had a a triple bypass, some heart issues. I think he knows he's going to be meeting his maker, and he wanted to get the story straight. In fact, Mm. he made some shocking confessions. I'll leave it for the reader. I don't want to reveal that. But he was more candid and more honest than I ever expected. Now, I would say that David Berkowitz is a very different man than the persona in the 1970s that's locked into most of our brains. Why do I think he's different? Because I not only seen this man's actions, but I saw his reactions. Uh, People can put on a good act. You know, you've heard of jailhouse conversions. But when you spend 100 hours with somebody and you watch... I watched him react. I watched him get angry. Uh, He had a conflict with another inmate. I describe it in chapter two of my book, and I watch him regulate impulses, which is very uh, atypical for your typical psychopath. Um, Why do I believe David Berkowitz has changed? I think, yeah, I think he did have a, a conversion, but I think he has found a sense of community in the prison. There are 15 to 17 guys that he meets with regularly. And the isolation uh, that he was living in New York City from the 70s all the way to 1977 when he was arrested, I believe that isolation was one of the key ingredients in this recipe called violence. In fact, if you look at most of the school shooters, the common denominator between a lot of these mass shooters is they are pariahs, They're outsiders. They're, they're, they're feeling disconnected, trying to you know, get some attention. And that, listen, that's not an excuse by no means, um, but it does bring some explanation. University of Japan has done fascinating studies on isolation. Uh, they take a group of rodents, they isolate a sample for about 15 days. And when they return the isolated rodents back to the community, at the point of re-entry, the isolated rodents attack the community because in isolation, adre- aggression goes up, adrenaline, cortisol, And empathy, oxytocin, it goes down. We become more aggressive. We become less empathetic. I think we've seen that as a nation uh, during COVID. You Mm -hmm. looked in social media, there was so much contention. Of course, it was political and it was racial, uh, but there was a lot of quarantining. There was a lot of isolating. And the more we pull away from each other, uh, the more you can kind of see this aggression spike. And I believe that America is a very isolated nation. We may be extroverted but we are not collectivists. We are very individualistic. Me is prioritized over we, and it's for that reason that we have the highest uh, rate of mass shootings and school shootings in the world. Um, So I I learned a lot in meeting with David Berkowitz. I saw uh, what a man can become
1: when he finds his tribe, so to speak. And in your your discussions with him, What did you um, glean from those discussions that was kind of outside of what you were expecting to get from him?
5: Well, you know, I say isolation. Initially, I thought David was a loner, like, you know, the unit bomber in a a cabin somewhere with a shaggy beard. Uh, What I found was the New York City kid played on baseball teams. was a part of the Appalachian Mountain Club bus that went into the South Bronx, the Soundview section picked him up and took him to the mountains and the shore gunk area. And, uh, he was very much a part of groups and teams. He was in the military for three years. So my understanding of isolation, um, expanded greatly because we began to talk about the difference between being with people and bonding with people. David was not a loner in the corner. David was a loner in the crowd. He was a part of the team, but never really of it. And we discussed some of those internal factors. I think anybody that's ever felt alone amidst a group of people is gonna read this book, read his story and say, wow, this, is, this guy's a lot more relatable than I thought. You know, the media wow. always paints a picture of the psychopath as other people. I got news for you, Rich, there are no other people. We like to think other kids will shoot up schools, not my kids. Other people will commit homicide, never me. they but for the grace of God go I. There are no other people. Anybody is capable of anything, providing the right uh, set of circumstances and the wrong succession of choices. Uh, David Berkowitz evolved from, from a baby into a serial killer. And that evolution um, is a lot more familiar than than we would kiddo admit.
1: That's uh, really interesting, right? I mean, because it's, it's not just your typical jailhouse conversion, but... It's um, your analysis on it, you know, from um, from a, a, a psychotherapeutic uh, type of uh, yes. perspective where it, it's kind of like, wow, that uh, it, it makes sense. And and I find it remarkable, honestly, um, folks, again, the book Monster Mirror by uh, Michael Caporelli, Ph.D., 100 hours with David Berkowitz, once known as uh, Son of Sam on uh, mental health and evil phenomena. And ultimately, where do you land with this? Do you think that he's uh, uh, obviously repentant and, and somewhat healed? You mentioned earlier about his ability to empathize and, and react to certain emotions that people that are psychopaths typically uh, don't um, have the ability to do. Is there a, a model for, uh, I guess, treatment for people suffering from psychopathy?
5: i think david has a lot to say to those that do suffer from psychopathy i call it monster mirror because you're going to look into david and you're going to see not just a monster but you're going to see a reflection that's very familiar um his story is a story of hope do i think he should be released i'm not saying that he's going to go up before parole and six months from now he goes every two years um he's not even looking to get out himself But do I think he's doing a good job at living a productive life over the last couple of decades? I do. Let me just encourage you. You can go on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It ranked number one on Amazon in the serial killer category uh, for the first three days of its release in October. It's been selling thousands since it came out October 10th. Um, I I believe it's not just a dark story, uh, but as Michael Frances calls it, it's a glorious story. It's a story of hope for those that might be psychologically oppressed.
1: Michael Caporelli, let everybody know the website, the social media account. How do they follow you and learn more about what you're doing?
5: Rich, I thank you so much for this opportunity. You can go on Facebook, find me, Mike Caporelli, My website's unmuted.app, or you can go to Amazon and Barnes & Noble.
1: Outstanding. Well, sir, Godspeed to you. You are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. I thank you for uh, the conversation, and good luck with the book, Michael Caporelli.: Merry Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas, brother. All right, folks, we're coming back with uh, more discussion, your calls, and more. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
0: Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber.
1: All right, America, welcome back. And a uh, student, uh, 10th grade um, student, or I should say a 10th grade teacher, um, ethnic studies teacher, world history teacher at um, Chief South International High School in Seattle, gave students a quiz titled Understanding Gender Versus Sex. The quiz provided a series of statements to label true or false, questions with multiple choice and many of the questions focused on personal pronoun use some examples of questions or the true or false statements included when someone uses they them pronouns what does that mean about their gender identity question mark true or false gender transgender people are gay Um, two questions however are objectively false but students are taught the exact opposite all right One of them, which is, um, all men have penises. Then, um, you know, the student circled, true. And the teacher penalized them for answering the question wrong. Claiming that women can also have a penis. (laughs) Unbelievable. So, that's where we are with that. I want to get some uh, reaction to this stuff. Because this is, in my opinion, just... It's pretty crazy stuff. Uh, I want to bring in uh, Craig Huey's author of you know, The Christian Voter. And this is um, just really interesting to me. Craig Huey, welcome to the program.
4: Rich, it's great to be with you.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time tonight. And as I, um, I, I read through this, uh, I'm just mm-hmm. kind of, um, I don't want to say shocked, but, man, very, very disappointed uh, and, and honestly, a little bit surprised. I didn't think things were that, were that crazy. I mean, I knew they were, but I just, you know, it's still somewhat surprising to me. Um, tell us what's going on here. How did this whole thing unfold?
4: Well, you know, this is up in Seattle, but, uh, you know, it, it's not isolated to Seattle. But what happened in the high school is you had a teacher, and because they failed the student, was telling the truth you know one of the questions uh right. you know it was only women can get pregnant and he said yes so he, they they filled this uh student and so the mom complained and the mom c- considers herself a liberal but she's saying wait a minute this is not this is not truth this is not reality and mm. and uh the school system refused to listen and you know it it, it, it it's a, a sad reflection of today's government-run, uh, tax-supported school systems. That's, that's the problem. Uh, Rich, basically we have a situation mm-hmm. in the school systems, and they deny reality. Uh, in this case, totally denying reality. It's against science. It's, it's uh, an indoctrination of ideology. And, and that's the problem. So much of what's being taught in the schools Is ideology, and and on the surface, you may think, "Well, it's a problem with a bad teacher in Seattle." Well, you know, just get rid of the teacher. But sadly, today's education system is more than a broken uh, uh, system of just a few bad teachers. It's really throughout the system. It's it's ideologically driven teachers, uh, curriculum, and administrators. And you know, uh, listeners might think, "Well," I remember when I was in school it can't be much different than then but it is <laughs> and 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 that's mm-hmm. that's the problem uh Rich you, you know you've got listeners throughout the United States some are in small yeah. towns this is going on there some are in big cities this is going on there east coast west coast south north uh, it, it is happening all around and uh, it, it is really something that it's going to take some really intense changes into the system itself, because, um, yeah, you know, this, this type of thing, we, we see it reflected with so many kids in high school that are living in fear of different things that are taught in school, which are also denying reality, going out and marching or becoming political, actually be turn, turning into uh, a politicized system. And that's
1: what's happening today. Unbelievable. Folks, we're on with uh, Craig Huey, and I think he's hitting the nail on the head uh, with respect to this uh, story of wokeness coming out of um, Seattle, where a student was asked uh, on a quiz if women could get pregnant, and he was marked wrong. I mean, if men could Mm -hmm. get pregnant, he he was marked wrong when he said, uh, you know, they couldn't, and it's only men that have penises. Uh, he was chastised for that and corrected, saying, no, no, women can also have a penis. Uh, just crazy. Uh, the, the whole thing yeah. is, is just so beyond the pale. Folks, stick with us. We're coming right back with Craig Huey, uh, author of uh, The Christian Voter, The Deep State, The New Multi-Channel Integrated Marketing, and 23 Equity Crowdfunding Secrets to Raising Capital. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night. At night with Rich Valdez.
5: Men do not menstruate. Only women menstruate. Now, you can call cis yourself whatever you want. Men don't menstruate,
0: but trans men do menstruate. No, Same they as non binary people. <clears throat> only Menstruating <clears> throat> throat> is not exclusive yes, to it cis is. women. No, it's not. Yes,
5: it is. So explain you're, to me as to why my body menstruated itself. You if some your point, chromosomes then. are XX, and you're young, you menstruate. Cool. If you're X Y, you don't.
0: Correct, but what about trans men and non-binary? They're We're not men. are excluding a whole group of they're, people. They're women. That dressed menstruate.
5: as men. Well,
0: what's a man to you? You define a man for me.
5: You have chromosomes that are X and Y. That's what a man is. So
0: why are we just looking at the the the, the science of this as an the example? The science. When we've learned sex and gender identity are two very they're completely different things. They're not
10: completely different. They are things. completely different. Completely different words.
0: And sex is what you're born with, the sexual reproductive organs you have. Gender is what you identify with. They're completely different
5: Well, I don't accept things. that distinction. You have to argue for it. You're just giving a conclusion. You're, you're just making
3: it up.
1: Making it up. That's exactly what it sounds like a lot of the time. And, uh, folks, uh, you may have remembered that clip we played it a while back, and uh, I felt it very, very um, appropriate to, to play again now. As we're looking at uh, similar stuff, whether it's students failing tests saying, uh, no, of course not, you know, um, men don't get pregnant, uh, or or here where they're saying that men are menstruating. <laughs> uh, it, it still remains uh, a very fluid conversation, if you will, and I want to continue that conversation that we're having with Craig Huey. Uh, he's the author of The Christian Voter, and uh, you can check him out at craighuey.com. Craig Huey, when you hear stuff like you just heard, and and you, you review and reflect on the stuff that we just talked about, um, where where does that put America in your estimation?
4: We're in trouble. We've got to turn this around because we're basically from kindergarten all the way into college. The schools are being have been transformed uh, into indoctrination mills. They've been transformed mm. into trying to change perception. Um, when, when you're going through a teaching college, uh, 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 I, uh, I, I, my career has been in business, but yeah. I started off uh, getting a secondary education credential, doing student teaching, and, and taking a look at a high school. When I went to the teacher school, uh, two things I, I, I remember distinctly. One is, They were talking about how you had to change the perceptions of the students. And basically, uh, in the teaching colleges today, they're indoctrinating the new uh, teachers uh, in, in ideology and how to spread that ideology, whether it be in math or science or history. And then, two, I was told, don't tell the parents. Hide it from the parents. Don't let the parents know what you're teaching. And, uh, and, and I, w- I was absolutely horrified. I was teaching economics yeah. and world history, and it was the contrary to, to everything I knew to be truth. And, and part of this has to do with many of your listeners have heard of critical race theory. And, and mm-hmm. this is part of what's gone on in the teaching colleges where that's integrated. Uh, you go through college, you learn critical race theory uh, dogma. And and what it is is a quasi-Marxist way of seeing all people, uh, all human history, and every human interaction as a power struggle, and it places every human being into uh, really two categories: the the oppressor or the oppressed. And that's what these students are being taught. Second, you know, it, it talks about basically deconstructing old truths and creating new truths. And so it's, it's a denial of reality, and it's, it's, it's even in the sciences. It's not just in history. And, and what about the kids? How, how are they faring? Well, uh, throughout the United States, the public government-run uh, school systems have been right. a failure. Now, the one that, where this is going on that got all the attention was in Seattle, and they spend $20,000 per student. Uh, only about uh, 58% actually show up on a regular basis at school. And the, just in the math standards, only 16.1% of these high school wow. kids meet the standards. And this, it's a failure throughout. Why? Because they're more interested in, in basically talking about the political and cultural issues that are important to these teachers. And this is now starting to come out more and more people are reporting on it. It's not just Seattle. It's in Wichita. It's in Dallas. It's in small towns in Tennessee. It's small towns in Virginia. It's happening all over the United States. And that's why we do have a problem. I applaud the fact that even in this last election uh, a couple of months ago, rich uh, 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 conservatives uh, mostly were wiped out who were running for office, ex- yeah. except for school board. There were multiple school board victories where parents rose up and said, enough is enough. We're going to change this. But the problem is you can't change the teachers. You can't change the administrators. You can't change uh, even the doctrines that, that are guiding the principles of these schools in, in the uh, state of Washington. This is part of their state curriculum. They're not, the school system doesn't back down because this is part of what they're supposed to teach and supposed to help kids, you know, uh, progress into this ideologue. And so, you know, to me, I, and th- this may come as a shock to many people, Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think we need to vote for good school board candidates, good superintendent of public education when those are on the ballot. Uh, But the real hope to turn America around, turn the education system around, is to be able to do with just this massive trend of school choice. Let the parent get that $20,000 and decide where they're going to send their child whether that be the homeschooling, a private school, a Christian school, or a public right. school that they want to send them to but is, is t- actually teaching the kids and doesn't go along with this dogma of uh, indoctrinating the kids. And so I think what we're seeing in a, across America is an understanding that we've got to change the way we do education because it's broken and it's not going to heal it's itself. And you can't change it from the outside. It's gone too far. And uh, and, and mm-hmm. I think more and more people are realizing
1: that's the case. I think you're right, Craig Huey. And I want to continue uh, that discussion, tug on that thread a little bit. And I want to learn more about your, uh, your latest book. And you can tell everybody about it and where to get it straight ahead. Folks, you want to join the conversation, Open Phone America is coming up at the top of the next hour. You can start getting your calls in now. 833-4VALDES
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez Call now 833-4VALDES That's 833-482-5337 833-4VALDES That's Valdez with an S With
1: Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back and uh, we're on with Craig Huey, uh, the author of the, uh, the Christian Voter and the Deep State. And Craig, I want you to listen to a quick clip of audio from a woman named Stacey Robastelli. She's director of education at an organization called High Tops. I've played this audio uh, numerous times on this program because I, I, I can't believe it exists. I can't believe there's an organization that solely a nonprofit that exists to promote gender uh, ideology and queer theory in public schools. And you're going to hear this woman say that we're doing it in grades five through eight, but we really need to do it in, K, in grades K through three. Check this out.
0: Most critical time to be there is grades five through eight because you want to catch kids when they're starting puberty because that's the time in which identity formation is central to their lives. However, early intervention is key. So we actually are designing a kindergarten through grade two curriculum this summer. And I will tell you one of the most rewarding experiences, Nikki, uh, we were in a local school system in an elementary school, and uh, we were in grades three, four, and five. And after we were there, Five students went to the principal's office and came out. So we are really intentionally going into younger and younger grades.
1: So here you have this woman um, celebrating the fact that they're preying on our children and also celebrating uh, the idea that kids are coming out uh, to the in the principal's office and whatnot as if you know they're achieving their goal of proselytizing this what they believe in. Uh, Craig Huey in the next, um, two minutes that we have together, uh, give me your reaction to that. And of course, make sure you let everybody know where they can get a copy of the book.
4: Well, here's the thing, Rich, this is not unusual. This is, this is what's going on nationwide. And the idea of teaching kids kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, the question, their sexual identity. You know, do you feel like a boy today? You know, have you ever thought you might be really a girl? Uh, do, do, you know, that, that, that might be a good thing to be able to really think about these type of things. That, you know, that type of teaching to impressionable kids is so damaging, so psychologically harmful, uh, creating a, a, a complete uh, questioning of who they are. And, and then giving them guidance that you can change. You, you want to be a boy and, uh, uh, and, and, and you're a girl, but you want to really be a boy. It, it can happen, you know, and, and uh, this is so long. And yet parents are putting their kids in schools where the, 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 the kids are learning this. Then the kids come out. And and the parent goes, what's happening? Why is my kid thinking like this? And we're seeing more and more parents and more and more grandparents saying, what's happening to my kids in school? What's taking place? That's why we've got to see this change, massive change in school choice. And so, uh, uh, you know, in in my books, I, I talk about, you know, how we can accomplish school choice, what it is and why it's so essential. And I try to expose, this type of uh, uh damaging indoctrination of the kids that
1: and craig let everybody know where they can get a copy of the book
4: go to craig Huey.com and you can get the christian boulder book and uh you can also get it on amazon
1: outstanding craig huey you are a gentleman a scholar and a patriot godspeed to you sir folks check him out at craig Huey.com. um Have a Merry Christmas. Hope to talk to you again in the new year. And, folks, we're going to get to the rest of your calls and comments and more with Open Phone America. That's coming up now, 833-4-VALDES, 833-4-VALDES. Don't go anywhere
0: Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins
11: podcast wherever you listen. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style, whatever app you switch to. Be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.
0: Live from the city that never sleeps.
1: Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to hour number three of the program. This is the hour we like to call Open Phone America. That's where the open phones are open. You can give us a call, discuss any topic you'd like. You can react to the topics we've discussed already, uh, like our interview earlier with um, the new chairman of the Freedom Caucus in the United States House of Representatives, Bob Good. Um, and everything that he brought to the table. We also uh, had some discussion around David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, and that type of jailhouse conversion. And that was really, I think, just fascinating information, Uh, as well as talking about how wokeness is just continuing to run amok uh, in institutions in our country where, you know, men and women are a thing of the past, right? That's kind of crazy. Anyway, there's so much going on tonight. Uh, The IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, have um, uh, reported that they have recovered the remains of two more hostages that were abducted on the 7th of October. There is uh, some analysis from CNN that says that Russia has lost 315,000 troops uh, since they started their war with Ukraine. And let's see, there's a high school in Florida that was Find the amount of $16,000 and put on probation uh, over having a transgender player on a girls' volleyball team. That's against the law in Florida. We talked about that last week. So there's a little follow up on that there. And a Russian man arrived at Los Angeles International Airport on a flight from Copenhagen, Denmark. And this guy had no passport. And no ticket. How'd he get there? I don't know. That's pretty odd. I can barely get on a plane with a boarding pass, right? I'm always afraid they're going to bump me. It's just crazy the way, the, the way that story panned out. And uh, a lot more out there. Um, there's a, let's see, there's a Michigan, a Michigan teenager that's being charged with causing the suicide death of a teen in, uh, through cyberbullying, through an online game they were playing. Uh, You've got a a chef out of Canada that's been accused of selling suicide kits. That's crazy. And uh, we're going to get into all that stuff and and more straight ahead. Uh, I want to go to Ralph. He's in uh, Port St. Lucie, Florida, listening on WPSL. Frank, uh, excuse me, Ralph in Port St. Lucie. Go right ahead.
11: Yes, good evening, Rich. I very much enjoy your informative and entertaining show um thank you and i just wanted to comment oh you're welcome um i totally agree with your last guest uh bringing to light how this woke mentality is is ruining our education system now my thoughts on this is I, i do not see the problem as an education problem or an intelligence problem but it's actually a spiritual problem, Rick. Um yeah. As a Sunday school teacher, um, this just happened last Sunday, last week. I was actually challenged by a class member who said to me, there is no such thing as a stupid question. Well, my response was, I respectfully do not agree. An example is, can a man have a baby? Now, that's a stupid question. Um this this woke mentality did not begin last year or a couple of years ago. I see it that it began when anything biblical or spiritual was banned or taken out of our schools. You remember when that happened, you weren't allowed to have Ten Commandments and that type of thing. Um
1: Yeah, and the, the prayer but, 20, and, took prayer out of the classroom. Prayer in schools,
11: exactly, Rich. Um in conclusion, um, the, the beautiful thing about the Bible that I have studied for, you know, uh, 45 years since I, I, I became a Christian is that all of this stuff was sp- prophesied a long time ago. If you would look into Isaiah chapter five, verse 20, it reads, woe unto them that will call evil for good and good for evil. Um, But but your guest was right on. It's destroying our education system, and it's really hurting our country.
1: It's a great point that you bring up, uh, Ralph, excuse me, uh, from Port St. Lucie. I agree with you. I think, you know, some have made the argument that God created good and God created evil. And um, my understanding is that God is good and evil is the absence of that god and when you don't have the goodness of god you get the evil of the flesh the evil that that men bring to the table one's own uh one's own self your own desires and this is a a hotly debated topic right <laughs> and and people um whether the genesis uh, the original um uh, the origin or the root of people's bad behavior, uh, put put it to the side. Ultimately, it's incumbent upon all of us to just do the right thing, especially if we have um, the next generation that's that's watching or, you know, right right there behind us looking for what they're going to do and how they're going to respond as they're in their 40s and 50s and 60s and whatnot. So I, I think you're right. Uh, we have to fix the problem that we have with schools. We need uh parents to be as bold as possible and and stand up for their children in a way that that only a parent can. And if we don't, then the government is gonna raise our children for us. And I don't know about you, but I know I'm not in the business of sharing uh the, the ability to parent with anybody but the, the mother of my children. <laughs> Right, I'm definitely not going to share it with the government. So, uh, great point, Ralph. I really appreciate the call. Big shout-out to everybody in Port St. Lucie, Florida, WPSL. And we do continue this conversation, and we do it right after this. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4VALDEZ. That's 833 482 5337-833-4VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
1: Tonight, with Rich Valdez. So, get this. Um, this is an interesting story here. This, um, there's some new details coming out about a, a, a pastor that was, was recently uh, killed. I think we talked about this a few nights ago, but a Florida man has now been charged with brutally gunning down the pastor and his new wife a week after their wedding had just been finalized. Um, And he had finalized his divorce with the female victim um, in just the last month. Now, uh, Kerland Williams and his wife, she's a nurse, Marceline Racine, were uh, installing surveillance cameras in front of their home in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, when Sonny Joseph arrived and allegedly shot them both dead. Now, the new bride previously had um, divorced Mr., um, not Joseph, Josephat, excuse me, on November 22nd, according to WPTV. And described by the relatives, uh, this guy Fat was controlling and saying that uh, he, he told police when, when asked that she had been disrespecting him and ignoring his phone calls. Sounds like a psycho. So, anyway, that's what happens. These people get married. They're happily thinking it's happily ever after. And then comes her ex-husband and he starts killing people. Man, talk about, a, a, you know, a bad break. That's absolutely horrible. Anyway, I want to get to your calls. Uh, let's open up the phone lines. 833-482-5337. 8334-Valdez. Let's go to Pat. Sedona, Arizona. Go right ahead, sir.
10: Hey, Rich. How you doing, man?
1: Good, brother. Uh, Thank
10: you. You know, I, I love listening to your show. That, uh, Huey Franks. You know, he made he made a lot of sense of what's been going oh, on. Oh, Craig Huey. That's Yeah, Greg Huey, it's the uh, the transgender thing and the immigration, illegal immigration thing are just two things that bother me the most about what's going on right now in this country. I mean, the economy and all that stuff, a lot of people pay attention to that, which is important. But these are two very sociable things because both of these things have a lot to do with our future. I'm always thinking of the future. I'm thinking about these young people, this poor kid he was right. his answer was right, and the Xs O's, and the y's you know that that gentleman was talking about you know uh you played uh observe sort of an interview well I guess with uh somebody who didn't agree and somebody who you know said about you know transgender that men right. can have babies and and men to menstruate in, you know, and about, you know, the the parts of the of the of genitalia of men and women, and it, it it figures that they're going to go after the kids when they're the most vulnerable, when they are kindergarten through third grade, when they're just finding out mm-hmm. who they are, and it's 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 medieval, and. I, best, I guess all lot of us uh, sit out here and go, what can we do? We go, to, we go to school councils. They'll do the same thing they did to that mother. They'll just ignore you. They'll have you arrested. I mean, they'll harass you. And what I think it is, is getting out there and talking about it. And that man and you, mostly on this national broadcast show, great show, thousands of people are probably listening to you from end to end. And. Uh, it's great you bring these these things up because people need to know what our schools are doing, and with this COVID thing and shutting down the schools, it was it was a process it's a process of destroying our youth, and they're coming up and they're going to have to take over this. these people that went through COVID are going to have to be able to run this country thirty years from now. Are they going to be able to? Are they going to be so scarred? And with this transgender thing, and what it's going to do to our our youth now is is it's it's going to be totally. Is I don't know. I I know. I just rich. I just. Uh, I'm almost without words. But you know, <laughs> it, go, it goes back to the thing that uh, about gays and how the gays have come up. And I'll tell you this, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I find that gay people are more acceptable today than they ever been. I mean, they worked hard. They went through some hard times. They went through a lot of discrimination. I mean, right. they used to get beat up. I mean, these people used to do this insane thing just to beat up with somebody because they were gay. And they weren't going, they weren't doing anything to them, but they didn't like them because they were there. How about you like you being a, a Republican or a Democrat, oh, you're a Republican, I'm going to go beat you up. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's insanity how people think. And those people who thought that way back in those days, well, <laughs> I don't, you don't hear from them anymore because they've changed or they're gone. And the gay people have made, made their way. I mean, there's still some room. There's a lot of maturity in this country we need. But this transgender thing, I think they are preying on our children when they should be left alone and learn it like we did.
1: Yeah, I think you make a brilliant point. And thank you for your kind words about the program and uh, everything you said, all the compliments. I appreciate it. I think you're spot on. Uh, I think it's important that we we protect our kids so that they can be kids and they don't have to worry about all of the um, hyper-sexualized content that they're consuming everywhere online and and through movies and film and media. Um, And if the one place they have is a is a a crib, you know, or or some uh, legitimate safe space uh, like a classroom or something like that, we we need to protect those things. Right. We have to make sure that our kids have that opportunity to grow in the classroom. So I think that makes a a lot of sense. Uh, Pat, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Folks, again, uh, the phone number eight six six five oh five forty six twenty six, our legacy line or just give me a call at 833-4-VALDEZ. And um, before we we pause, I want to go to Sandra. She's in Dothan, Alabama, WDBT. Go right ahead.
8: Yes, good evening. I wanted you to maybe comment on this. Uh, This is something that Senator uh, J.D. Vance said on Sunday. Uh, Mm. And what he says is this, what's in America's best interest is to accept Ukraine is going to have to cede some territory to the Russians, and we need to bring the war to a close. If you could comment about that.
1: Sure. Um, What's your, your thought on that? Do you support the idea that the Ukrainians should just give away their land?
8: Well, really, I'm for this. I think this needs to end. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't know that Putin wants the whole of Ukraine, uh, but I don't think this country can keep on uh, giving all this money for this.
1: Here's my thinking. Um, I realize everybody wants the the war to come to an end, and I do, too. But it's not necessarily my say. Right. The reason they have a war is because Russians were were posturing, hanging out on the front lines, on the border uh, with Ukraine. And they stood there for a while in a show of strength. And then they moved in. And as they moved in, they, um, they've they hurt a lot of people, right? And they've killed a lot of people. This is not something that I think we, we can allow to, to say, oh, we forgive you, Vlad. We're very sorry. Hey, Volodymyr here. Sorry, Vlad. You messed us all up. But we'll be all right. No, I think... There's got to be more. There's got to be more. Uh, we have to have certain boundaries, and, and but it's not our place to make. I think the only thing that is our place is to support, to offer aid, to, to help them. Uh, and again, not to the tune of $200 billion either. But um, moderation is what I think is the answer here. And I know that the the end game for Ukraine is, look, you have come and you've attacked us. What's Russia's end game? We want this. We want that. We wanted Crimea. We took it. We want this. We're taking it. When you have that kind of um, attitude towards your country and people that are willing to steal pieces of your country, uh, I think this is very problematic. And it's not something I want to be a part of. That's for sure. Um, so I, while well, I get the, the Ukraine fatigue that everybody has, um, I don't think it goes anywhere. Unless we, the people, figure out a way to hold our politicians accountable so that they can do what they've got to do in supporting uh, the folks in Ukraine and bringing an end to this in in the best way that we possibly can, if that made any sense at all. Sandra and Dothan, Alabama, WDBT, thank you for the call. And, folks, we continue with your calls and more straight ahead, 833-482-5337, 833-482. Valdez. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. America. welcome back. We continue with your phones, open phone across America. Always one of my favorite things to do here on the program. 833-4825-337, 833-4VALDEZ. Let's go to Ventura, California, KVTA. Let's check in with Patrick. Patrick, what's up, man? You're on with Rich Valdes. Go right ahead. Hey,
8: Rich. I'd love to talk to you again. I called you once before. Um, kudos Welcome back. To- Jim and uh, you, where you've advanced the program, love it. I want to just discuss with um, Ralph called earlier, and I do not disagree with his conclusion nor yours. However, I don't believe there are any dumb questions.
1: Yeah, well, I think think what he said was um, he said that there uh, it was stupid questions, and you know when I was a kid. They always said, look, there are no stupid questions, just stupid people that ask them. But maybe I wasn't taught the right way. Go ahead, Patrick.
8: Well, again, I get that. And probably we went to the same parochial school. But (laughs) the uh, stupid question thing, I just don't agree with. The only stupid question is the one you don't ask. I've done a lot of training and... Other educational things. So <clears throat> especially if there's a youngster asking a question, it can't be regarded as stupid. It just can't. I get it that, you know, he's got an epiphany and he gets it. And that's fine. And even an adult, maybe they haven't had the epiphany or the raising of consciousness to where that question is but it's still not stupid, it needs to be asked. And we need to embrace it. If we don't embrace it, break it down and explain it, then how's the other person gonna feel? They're gonna rebel against whoever answered the question and that's gonna make the the question more confirmed in their mind.
1: Listen, I think you're 100% right here. And, and this is, um, and, and all jokes aside, right, I, my comment before was, you know, just me being slick. Um, I agree with you. And this is um, coming from somebody that, you know, as a kid, even as a young adult, there were times I'd have a question or even an answer. And for lack of wanting to engage, lack of maybe it's not the right time, lack of maybe I don't know this topic as well as I thought I knew it, so let me hold back. Uh, I realized you're you're right. You You've got to put your stuff out there. Um, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And everybody should be encouraged to ask a question. Uh, some people like to ask questions for the sake of hearing their own voice and sounding like they're, you know, having a, a high level of command of the topic and, and using the question as kind of like a as a, a springboard to, you know, showcase their own ability and pontificate. But Ultimately, I think you're right. People should remain open to being inquisitive, to asking more questions. Uh, that level of inquiry is what we need. Uh, the last thing we need is for, you know, groupthink or for people just to take to everything at face value and not think critically at all. I think that's, um, that's a no-no. So I think you're right on track there, and everybody, especially children, should be asking questions. Um, I think our parents that are kind of old school— and those who've gone before us saying, uh, you know, um, no no stupid questions, just stupid people that ask them. <laughs> I think that's a joke, and I've always taken it as a joke. Uh, I don't think that's a, a, a real way to, to, to run anything. And I think you're, you're spot on with it. So thank you for your call, brother. I appreciate it. Um, let's see here. Now, earlier we played a little clip of audio of a gentleman, I think it was on Dr. Phil, and he was uh, debating... With um, some pro trans activists. It was a, um, a pro family guy. And uh, we have a little clip that we played earlier. I just want you to hear a, a tad of it. Go right ahead. Men do not menstruate. Only women
5: menstruate. Now, you can call cis yourself men whatever you don't want. don't menstruate,
0: but trans men do
1: menstruate. No, Same as non
0: binary people. <clears throat> Only women. Menstruating is not exclusive yes, to it cis is. women.
1: And there you go. So um, there's this debate. Trans men, cis men. What kind of men is it that menstruate? I don't know. What say you? Eight three three four eight two five three three seven eight three three four Valdes. Let's go to Reading, Pennsylvania, W E E U, and check in with Katie. Katie, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdes. Hi,
6: Rich. You put me on right in the middle of my hands being all soapy. Anyways, regarding the men having their Well, thank
1: periods, you for washing your I hands.
6: <laughs> I beg to differ because I have been informed otherwise by my own husband. And he's like, men always get their periods, Katie. Why do you think I take the dog out three times sometimes some, at night? And I'm like, what? He's like, during night that I walk the dog three times, is there not? I said, yes. He's like, I have my period then, so men get their periods.
1: Hmm. Now, is this uh, in the sense of, uh, like, mood swings? Is that what he's talking about? Like, uh, like PMS?
6: Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly what he meant. Um, yeah, I would
1: would agree with that. I do think, uh, I don't think it's unique, uh, to women, uh, to have, uh, mood swings and I'll just leave it just at the mood swings. I think that's what most people kind of, um, paint the picture as. I don't ever want to minimize what women go through because I know that, uh, I, I once spoke with a doctor, I worked in a school and he was the medical director. And he was explaining that the symptoms that some women go through uh, are so severe. He was listing what medications and, and how he treats these women for 7 or 10 days while they're um, suffering from um, PMDD, PMS, um, post-menstrual, whatever there is. Uh, just It was a lot. And, and I, I don't want to ever say that because some guys have mood swings, That it's similar. Um, But I will say, yeah, I do think that guys do have, um, and uh, you know, you you can also get stuck in this, right? Uh, I think many times we confuse it as personality, the fact that we might be short-tempered or have a short fuse. But it's not necessarily that, I don't think. I think it's uh, personality plays a part. But I also think that, you know, the way we handle things, the way we handle stress, the way we... We choose to look at our outlook, how, what kind of um, self-talk we have, how we internalize problems, issues, opportunities, all that. Everything makes a difference. And and you're right. I think there's lots of men, um, myself included, that can be very easily frustrated by things. But at the same time, I think that uh, it's, it's more than that, obviously, that women go through than we go through. Uh, but I, I agree. Definitely uh, people people lose it. And, uh, I, am I'm, I'm one of those every now and again, I get moody and I lose it too, Katie. Right.
6: And you don't even understand why, right. And it, it just happens.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and I think some of the reason why is there's a lot of things, right. As men age, you know, post 40, even there are changes in, in hormone levels that can cause those types of, uh, uh, of, of mood swings, uh, for, for all different reasons, right. Not just like anger, you know, you might feel it a little more intensely and be like, "Oh my gosh, that hurt my feelings." Let me tell you why. <laughs> right, all, all sorts of different things happen. You're right; you don't know how to identify those things, uh, but I think it, you know, kind of goes hand in hand with the midlife crisis that a lot of guys go through. And um, you know, the the I guess I'm going to say the scenarios can be endless at this point, and ultimately. Uh, I agree. Men can be, can be moody for lots of different things. And I also think that something I'm learning as, as, a, as a young man getting more mature very slowly uh, is that we don't have to be guided by our emotions per se. You know, if I get really angry and my blood is boiling, that doesn't really mean I should act on that. And it reminds me of a Bible verse Um, be angry, but sin not. And this is just a lesson again that I'm learning right now in life as we speak. Whereas normally in real life, if I got angry, I acted angry. Um, I'm learning now you can get angry and you can let it go. Don't even get angry. Just, you know, focus on something that's positive for you and, and go for the win. Because entertaining negativity is oftentimes just a waste. It doesn't help you or anybody else involved in that situation. So anyway, that's my um, Dr. Phil moment. <laughs> uh, for for what it's worth. Katie in Reading, Pennsylvania, W E E U. Thanks for your call. We're going to continue with the rest of your calls from Kansas, Indiana, Maine, and more. Don't go anywhere. This
0: is America at night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 833- for Valdez. That's 833 482 5337. 833 4 Valdez. That's Valdez with an S.
8: america to the liberty loving latino rich
1: valdez
0: this is america at night with rich valdez
1: all right folks welcome back we're discussing the craziest topic ever about men menstruating men saying that they can menstruate actually it wasn't even men saying it it was women um saying that trans men can in fact uh uh, menstruate. And it was just an interesting um, uh, topic overall, I think to, to get into just a, one of those crazy things that you do. Wow. Anyway, uh, I want to get to your calls on that. Uh, Zion, Auburn, Maine, WLOB. Go right ahead. Welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Yeah.
9: Thank you for taking my call. I just want to know how crazy it is that we're actually talking about men menstruating a thing that, you know, has never been thought about for thousands of years on talk radio even just 5 years ago you know we would have never thought that this is happening you know that's how you can tell that this is fake mm-hmm. and this does not you know really happen in uh the real world and i think that giving it attention is just making the fire get bigger if you will you know
1: well that is my job i am here to pour gasoline on every fire i could find to cause the biggest inferno ever um, that's kind of what talk radio exists to do, right? Think about people listening to talk radio, whatever the topic is, and going, you know, I feel so much calmer now after listening to a couple hours of talk radio. Of course not, right? You listen to talk radio, you leave even sense, you know, your, your sensibilities are inflamed. You're thinking, oh my God, I can't believe that they're doing this and they're doing that. Whether it's you hate the host, you love the host, or you, you love the host, you hate the topics, um, whatever the case is. Um, I agree with you. It's completely manufactured. Um, It's ridiculous uh, on its face that we would give so much attention um, and maybe not so much we, but even those that cater to the left, you know, public schools and and the like that are, you know, doing this. The the fact that they've passed laws in Florida preventing girls from joining uh, or preventing transgender students from joining any um, girls sports. Just crazy, right? It's amazing that we needed to pass a law in order to defend uh, little girls that want to play a sport. Blows me away. And, and, and that even after you pass a law to do such a thing, that there's people out there saying, oh, my God, we're going to over, overturn that. We're going to get it repealed. And, you know, I can't help but think like you're thinking to myself, like, wow, how'd we get here? What the heck is going on? Are these people out of their minds? That, you know, we're literally having a debate on this stuff, but we are And I think that's why um, it's important to do it, because somebody listening somewhere might say, no way, you're full of it, they're not doing that. And here we are a month or two from now, they might actually encounter that situation. And uh, hopefully they're a little bit more prepared to to do the right thing if they're in such a situation, because that's a crazy situation to be in. Um, At least that's my opinion, Zion.
9: Yeah, I understand. It's your job to, uh, you know, spread the flames. But I just think if there was no attention on it, that it would stay the quarter percent it's been, according to them, which I don't even think it is. But it would just be a non-issue. And I understand it's your job to, you know, bring attention to it.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I don't think I bring attention to it as much as as it's brought up in in dialogue and discourse. You know, somebody on TV saying I wasn't saying it right. I was playing the audio. Of them talking about that on television. And you had somebody that was, you know, taking one side of the issue and somebody that was uh, taking the other side of the issue. And I think it was Dr. Phil that that, that whole exchange occurred on. And when something like that happens in the the goings on of our of our nation, uh, we'll comment on it and give some analysis and insight on it, because why not? Um, but yeah, ultimately, I think it's important for us to to have those discussions and there's a lot of things, you know, like people say, Oh, don't ever say the name of these mass shooters. Uh, don't do this, don't do that. And then they'll stop. I I don't, I don't know if I believe that. I just don't know. I'm pretty sure that they are looking for that because they've admitted it in their manifestos and whatnot that, you know, when I'm done here, everybody's going to know my name. Sure. I understand. But I don't know that I, I just don't, I don't believe it that if we were to like, let's just say, I don't know. Uh, A universally accepted practice became that every time there's a mass shooter, we don't say anything about them, that we just uh, call them mass shooter X from, you know, podunk, whatever state. And that I don't know that if we did that collectively and everybody adhered to it uh, in a group think kind of way, that that would somehow curtail the psychos that actually go and kill small children and whatnot in schools. I, don't, I just don't see how they would stop what they're doing to, to, um, because people aren't mentioning their name. I think they're going to be crazy no matter what. That's just my opinion. Zion, thank you for the call. Folks, we come back to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. No hair, no care, and live on the air, it's Rich Valdez.
1: All right, it's the speed round. Keep your comments to less than a minute. Let's go to Frank in Evergreen, Montana, K-O-F-I. Frank, go right ahead.
4: Hi, Rich. I'm on the stage. Back in the first grade, I was blonde. Stuck in the next year, in the second grade, I was full puberty. My hair was dark, uh, hair all over my body. And then in the third grade, uh, Sister Mary Satan and uh, Monsignor said, I'm going to hell, and there's nothing I can do about it. You know, just,
1: uh, <laughs> it's a true back of life. <laughs> it was a foregone conclusion. This guy's a bad guy. Frank, I don't believe it. I think you're one of the good guys. You know, it's funny you say that, but um, I, I, I could totally see how people come to that conclusion. Not because of you, just because... You know, when you're dealing with kids in second, third, and fourth grade, uh, they can be unruly and they can be crazy. Uh, Frank, excellent point and a good take on humor as well. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. And hopefully neither one of us is menstruating, right? I can guarantee it. We're not. Sarah, Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Sarah, go right ahead quickly.
6: Hey, great to talk to you. I don't know why guys want to have a period. That's crazy. And I got to say, them same men can have periods like same people can fly. Well, yeah, you can fly if you get into an airplane to feed them engineering, um, but you can't fly with just with your own biological equipment. And at least in the case of an airplane, you're not damaging and hurting your body to do it. You're just making a mechanical ability. But what they're doing to men and give them, I don't know how they do, it, but it sounds like Frankenstein medicine. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> Sarah, you're welcome. Well, I think what, what's happening there is really that it's not men that are getting their periods per se, it's women that are taking testosterone, growing facial hair, and uh, women that are menstruating, women that identify as men, uh, what they call a trans man. And and they're the ones that are, you know, that's why the the difference between cis men and trans men. So I think that's where that kind of comes from. And again, is why I think it's important that we always treat this stuff as like what it really is which um, used to be called gender dysphoria, and it was treated as a mental illness instead of being celebrated as some sort of diversity. And I just wanted to take a moment to welcome a new station that's coming on board in January, but they put their press release out today. uh, 920 AM, the Patriot KYST out of Houston, Texas. Uh, I want to welcome them to uh, the America at Night with Rich Valdez family. Looking forward to it and Looking forward to speaking with you guys as well tomorrow. Hasta la proxima. Until the next time, folks, I am Rich Valdez. Take care, good night, and God bless you, America.